Corinthians chapter 12. And for those of you who may have come in a little bit late, we're saving our prayer time for the end. And that would be heads up for the worship team to be ready for something special. I'm not sure what the Lord's going to do, but we want to be open. Especially in considering our subject matter this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. As we continue our study through the spiritual gifts. Today's message, power for service. I don't know about you, but uh, fellas, and I'm speaking to the fellas here because I doubt if there's too many women in here that like power equipment like we as men do. I I drive down the road and, and I, I have to be careful when I drive by these implement places because I love to look. I can't afford. You know the difference, you know the old saying, the difference between men and boys is the price of their toys. Well, those toys are outside my range, but I sure think about them. I love excavators. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes I get caught up on occasion looking at the mega equipment available. You know those huge dump trucks that, you know, even guys that are much taller than me can still walk under the back axle and not hit your head. That's like a major type piece of equipment. And and the big, you know, fill a dump truck with one scoop, you know, it's just great. But you need those tools to get big jobs done. And I don't know about you, but we have a big job to do. Imagine the, the, the disciples. I mean, these guys are just plain ordinary fishermen. They're just like guys like us. Seriously, they were really a lot like us. And this is after the resurrection and they're on the shores of Galilee, and Jesus is telling them, take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, most of these guys had probably not been much further than their neighborhoods. They're kind of like it was around in our nation 100 years ago. People didn't travel much from their communities. To get, leave your state and go to another state, well, you know, very few people did that. And so the disciples, like, our life is this sea. We're fishermen. The world? Are you serious? This, uh, you know, I mean, like, who are we to do this big thing? Well, that's kind of how it kind of brings it into perspective for you and for me. How are we supposed to, how am I supposed to take this gospel message to the whole world? Well, you're not alone. It's not just up to you individually. It is a corporate work to be done by the body of Christ. And there are many local bodies around the world that do this work. And we, working together, will accomplish this if we learn to obey the Lord and learn to do things His way. But we need to be empowered. We need to be equipped. Just like those big pieces of equipment are designed and engineered for specific tasks. So you and I individually have been equipped to do certain tasks and to be empowered by the Spirit to do what God has called us to do. Now you think about this for a moment. God thought about you before you were ever conceived and He had a mission and a plan for your life. Jeremiah chapter 1 talks about, you know, before you were born and conceived in the womb, I knew you, I ordained you, I sanctified you a prophet to the nations. He needed a Jeremiah to do the, exactly what needed to be done at that point in history. You are at a point in history that only you can do what God's ordained you to do. And if you don't do the job, nobody else is going to do it for you because they've got their job to do. You get this, right? And, but we need this empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need to understand the working of the Holy Spirit and the gifting that He has for our lives. So last week we covered the motivational gifts uh, there in chapter 
12 of Romans, and you can get that list there on the kiosk there and take with you. It'll also have the list of the things that we'll cover today. We're not going to be able to get through this entire list today because it's just too long, and there's other things that the Lord wants to do uh, with us this morning. So let's start out uh, here in chapter 12, and go th- we're going to cover uh, in these next two weeks the, the first 11 verses uh, of this chapter. So if you'll stand with me as I read the scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Now concerning spirituals, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one, speaking by the Spirit of God, calls Jesus accursed. And no one can say that Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, and to another the working of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another discerning of spirits, and to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as it wills. May God, you bless your word today. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Notice in your Bible, the word gifts there is in italics. And when you see a word in italicized like that, it means it's not there in the original. And so you could read this as I read it, uh, now concerning spirituals. And he's using the words charismata, uh, in this case, verse one, it's 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 not the same. This charismata in, in this particular word is it, it's not the same as in verse nine. That's charismata. This one is uh, pneumaticos, and so it 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 just means things that relate to the spirit of man. In our relationship with God, God connects with you and me through the Spirit. He somehow our spirit is able to communicate to our mind and intellectually we're able to grasp uh, and sense what God is doing. You know that God communicates to us in many different ways. He doesn't always use words, but you ever had that impression that, you know, I just feel like I need to do this. You, you, you just kind of come to this conclusion that I know this is what God wants me to do. Now you didn't hear him say it audibly in your mind. You didn't actually maybe even find it in the scripture, but you just perceived it. You grasp it. And this is how God communicates to us, through His Spirit. And that's why we need to learn to pay attention. So He's talking about uh, the spirituals, things that relate to the human spirit uh, in our relationship to God. And so there, there's that word, spirituals. That is the pneumaticos there. And then in verse 4, He uses uh, another word that we often use. It is uh, charisma or the anointing. And this, uh, it's a simple word, it just means smearing. You know, we have uh, 
when we think of smearing someone, we think, well, we're just really lambasting them and seeking to destroy their reputation, sort of like the mainstream media does to some of our politicians. They, they just want to smear them and then you know, try to make them look bad. Well, you know, thankful, God is not that way. He wants to smear us, yeah. He wants to anoint us with love, his goodness, his person, his tender mercies, the richness of his grace, and all those things. And, and this, this is typical. And, you know, when we, we anoint with oil, we're used to it in our church. We, you know, you know, this is what the Bible says in James. Call for the elders of the church. Let them, you know, anoint the people. Pray the prayer of faith. The prayer of faith will bring healing to the, the person. And so we're used to anointing people. And we're very conservative about that. You know, we have a little bottle of oil and we use that. And we, you know, we do, you know, you smear it on each other's forehead. <laughs> and we pray for each other. Why do we do that? Well, it's symbolic of the Holy Spirit, obviously. That's what we want to think when it's being done to us is this is the Holy Spirit. and We're agreeing together. We're using something tangible that represents His presence in our, in our lives. But in the Old Testament, it was much more... Uh, liberal, <laughs> and you read in. <laughs> I love this. I can't imagine having this done to me, but or you're, maybe you, you you can imagine. Uh, Samuel the prophet visits David in First Samuel sixteen, along verse thirteen in that region, and he's come to by being led by God to or anoint the next king and so we see there in verse 13 he takes out the horn of oil and he just dumps it on his head and that's the way they anointed in the old testament like i said that it, they were a little more liberal now if i took the anointing oil and i dumped it on your head you might not take it like david took it <laughs> you just made a mess of my clothes you know <laughs> and my hair right but that's what it means. It, it, it's, it's symbolic of how God wants to just have all of you. He wants to, that the smell of that oil, the frankincense and the myrrh is a, a tremendously uh, odiferous. It's just a wonderful smell uh, to have uh, this anointing oil. And to have it all over you is, is symbolic of God wants to drench you with his presence and control your life and lead about good and bring beautiful things about in your life. So that is the word used there for gifts in chapter, or verse 4 rather, charisma. And, and of course, in First John, if we'll turn with me to First John chapter 2, I think it's important that we lay the groundwork of understanding some of these terms and the differentiation uh, that Paul uses these different meanings of, of gifts and all uh, in our understanding. So First John chapter 2 and that's towards the end of your New Testament there. Back a couple books from the end there. First John chapter 2, verse 20, and then verse 27 through 29. And first in First John 2.20, it says, But you have an anointing, same word, charisma, from the Holy One, and you know all things. That is part of the work of the Holy Spirit, is to bring to you and to me the knowledge of God. That's really what the pastor is all about. That is what the purpose of the teaching of the word is about, is to bring forth the knowledge of God to the people of God so they can trust him. God is a God that can be trusted. And the more we know about him and we see how he acts and interacts and how he keeps his word, the more our faith is increased. And so verse 27 says, As for you, the anointing which you have received from him abides in you. And you have no need that anyone teach you. 
but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and not a lie. Just as he taught you, you shall abide in him. And then verse 28, and now little children, abide in him in order that when he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed due to him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. So this anointing, this charisma that all believers have is our instructor. Now we have teachers in the body of Christ. We know that that's one of the gifts and all. But this is referring to what I mentioned earlier. Somehow the Holy Spirit's able to communicate to us the truths of God, not always in words, but is an impression upon our spirits and we understand the truth and we know what's right. And a lot of times this happens with discernment. You know, we we come into a situation or we meet someone. We don't know them. We've never met them before. And and they begin to say things and then all of a sudden we just kind of like we have a check. Like, wait, wait. You know, you don't say this out loud. You're just, it's inner thoughts, right? <laughs> inner thoughts. Keep inner thoughts, inner thoughts, right? <laughs> Like, uh, something's not quite right there. Oh, I don't know. See, that's, that's the Holy Spirit making you aware. And that's the way he works. So let's look at the things that we know. Uh, what? Well, let me finish up here. Verse 9 is the charismata. He says here in verse 9, to another faith... Uh, these gifts that are listed here, the ones, the manif- uh, demonstrational gifts, these are the charismata. Uh, so it's just, again, it's the same kind of root word there, but these, uh, these are the words that are used. But So let's go back to what we know then, what we've learned so far in the last couple of weeks anyway, and been reminded of. We re- all of us receive the Holy Spirit at salvation. The Holy Spirit comes in and takes up residence in someone who confesses Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. When you ask Jesus to forgive your sins, Lord, I'm a sinner. I have I've sinned against other people. I've sinned against you. And I know that I need your forgiveness. And you acknowledge your need for forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ, like we sang this morning, it comes in and it's a complete washing and you are forever forgiven because of the work of Jesus Christ. And then the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence. You don't have to feel anything. You don't really have to have some sensational, dramatic thing that happens to you. Just This is what is based upon the facts of his finished work. It's what Jesus did. And this happens. Now there are a subsequent work of the Holy Spirit that can take place. We know the disciples believed on Jesus and they were saved. But we know that they received the Holy Spirit in John 20, Gospel of John, chapter 20, when Jesus breathed on them. He, you know, he came back and he walked through the, the walls some way and he came into their presence. And then he said, just settle down, fellas. It's me. And the Bible says he breathed on them. And he said, receive the Spirit. So they received the Spirit after Christ had been raised from the dead. But then he said, Go to Jerusalem and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1.8 And the day of Pentecost came and the Spirit of God fell upon the church and, they, and there was a powerful move of God through the Spirit. So that's referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit 
And that is a subsequent work that God does. Now, sometimes people are saved and they're baptized in the, in the Spirit simultaneously. And then some of you who know your Bible are thinking, well, yeah, doesn't Ephesians talk about there only being one baptism? Yeah. When, you're, when you receive Jesus and you're, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, you are baptized into the body of Christ. There's only one baptism. You're in the body or you're not in the body. And so if you use the other definition of what baptism means, it means identification. You're now being identified as a believer. You're now God's child. That's the one baptism there in Ephesians that is spoken of there. And so what else do we know? We know that the purpose of the filling of the Spirit the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're all synonymous terms. The, this is the promise of the Father that Jesus was talking about. It's, it's energy. It's an energy that comes from God to serve. We are called and commanded to do a supernatural work. Getting the gospel out is a supernatural work. It's not something we can do with our own intellect and talent and our own abilities. We can do, do our best and try, but it will be a frustrating activity because it's the work that only God can really do and direct and, and wants to do. But, and so this baptism of the Holy Spirit is for that power for service. It's, it's power to fight the spiritual warfare. You know, this isn't just some cakewalk. You, you are called as part of the army of God. And being in the army of God, you are in battle. This is spiritual warfare. It's war for the Christian. If you aren't sensing, well, you know, what do you mean? What are you talking about war? What do you mean battle? Well, you know what temptation is? Yeah, those kinds of things. You know, the, there's a, there's an enemy that hates us because that enemy hates God, and he and this enemy hates everything that God loves, and so he we become a target for him and those that are opposed to God. So we this power that we receive helps us to fight this battle actually a battle that's already been won but we have to learn to employ the weapons of our warfare because they're not carnal they're not natural they're supernatural we have to learn how to employ these gifts and fight the good fight of faith and so this baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the overflow I be, believe for the uh, uh, the power of God's love there's nothing greater than the love of God what really captures most people that come to Christ is the love that they have been shown by other people who have been touched by God. You know, you would think that the wrath of God and and God showing up and, you know, sort of, you know, judging people would, oh, wow, we better straighten up or we're going to die, that that would somehow show people that they need to repent. But it doesn't. The Bible says it's the goodness of God that lead people to repentance. And I find that really interesting. It's really the love and the goodness of God that, that attracts people. Not laying the law on them, not preaching, oh, you're going to burn in hell, you know. <laughs> You've heard the, you know, the, the, you know, I think we should talk about hell, and I think it's a serious matter. But to preach that hellfire and brimstone, I mean, you might scare a few souls into heaven. But when they see the love of God and the kindness and the gentleness, because what does the world really need? The world is full of hate and strife. The destruction of sin is a, it bounds. And so when there's love, it's attractive to people that are hurting. And so I believe the baptism of the Holy Spirit fills us with an overwhelming 
flow of God's love. And then obviously it allows us to operate with these gifts and giftings of God. And so that's what we know. So how do we receive this? And we're going to talk about this at the end of the service. We just simply ask for it. I love this ask little acronym, ask, seek, and knock. You keep on asking. You keep on seeking. And you keep on knocking. This is how we, we receive things from God. But we'll talk about, uh, give some thoughts on prayer towards the end of this service as we respond to what's available to us here. And so, as Paul breaks into this subject, now the Corinthian church was a very wealthy church. They were there at the uh, south end of Macedonia on the coast there. So it was a trading port city. So there's a lot of uh, economy there. As a result, people prospered. And they and Paul had come over, and this is an interesting point, at least I think it is. <laughs> Hopefully you do too, right? <laughs> but he'd come over from Athens. And he, when he was in Athens, he was kind of by himself. Timothy and the other fellows had stayed behind because they sort of like, Paul, you need to get out. You're just causing trouble. So, so he went on down to Athens, and he was there speaking with all the smart people, the philosophers and all, the, in the Areopagus there. And, and, and he just nothing happened. He tried to reach these people on an intellectual level. He tried to compete with them, you know, just because Paul's a very educated person. He could do that. And he's ministering to these people and sharing, you know, about the unknown God. But there's just simply no response. And Paul left, I believe he left Athens sort of defeated. And he went on over, back over to Macedonia there and into Corinth. And he's there. And he's, I think he's, 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 he's war-torn. He's gone through the mill. Uh, you know, thrown in jail, beaten, uh, message didn't go well in Athens Timothy isn't there you know you guys need to come down you know he gets word to him to come down to meet with him there at Corinth and he, he and while he's there the Bible tells us that the Lord appeared to him and said Paul be of good cheer I'm with you you're not going to get beat on here uh, you know I've got many people in this city and so he stayed there quite a while actually and he led the church taught the church uh, and so as a result of his ministry there, they became very prolific in the gifts. They, there was a lot of incredible spiritual growth going on there, but they sort of got puffed up with the knowledge. They, they were young converts, and they were experiencing a tremendous grace of God, but they, they hadn't really grown and matured in their faith where they could handle uh, the gifts in a proper way. So there were some problems. There were growing pains in the church, so to speak. And so Paul's writing them, after the fact, he's gone now, and some of the difficulties that have risen with the order and things that were going on in the church. And there, it's very easy to abuse the gifts of God. It is very easy to take the gifts that we've been given by God and, and to abuse them and misuse them for our own selfish interests. And so, uh, and again, this was, was sort of what was happening. So he starts out by saying, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, why would he make that statement? <laughs> because there was ignorance. They didn't really get it. They hadn't yet learned what needed, they needed to learn in regard to the spirituals. And so I think there's a lot of ignorance today. You know, I love the, our, my Pentecostal brothers and sisters. We're Pentecostal, I mean, for goodness sake. But there, there are those who just haven't learned that you don't need to roll in the aisles. You don't need to speak in tongues uh, for everybody to hear unless there's an interpretation. You know, there's just an, there's, there's an overemphasis 
on certain things that, you know, the most important thing in the church is the love of God. It isn't the gifts. It isn't the, the tools. You know, we don't fall in love with the tools. We fall in love with the, the maker of the tools. And so this is uh, an ignorance that was there. Well, what were they ignorant about? Well, first of all, about their past leading. The idea here, he says, you know that you were Gentiles carried away by these dumb idols. You know, so the idea here is they were being habitually, their old lifestyle had not sort of been dropped off or they hadn't yet crucified some of it. So uh, they were being habitually led as the occasion might arise to do certain things. And so they were using it sort of to gratify the flesh is sort of how I would uh, walk through this here. So uh, th that was part of the ignorance. And then the other thing was uh, that they were, people were begin to see these gifts happen. They think, well, they're calling Jesus evil. And Paul wants them to understand that, look, if you have the Holy Spirit, you're born again, there is no way you're going to say that Jesus was influenced by the devil. Now, the Pharisees thought de Jesus demon-possessed. We, we know that. Uh, they accredited the healings and the miracles that he did to Beelzebub. You know, and so Jesus was considered to be demon-possessed. and But that's not true. If you're truly baptized by the Holy Spirit, if you're a member of the body of Christ, there's no way you can call Jesus a curse. And so they were ignorant of that. So they were sort of, some of the people that were watching some of this craziness go on were like, no, I don't, no. I don't want to be part of that because that is, that's weird. And this is how a lot of people stay away from these gifts because they're intimidated by it because they've seen the abuse. Well, I think just because there are those who have abused it and not understood it should not take away from what God has for us. We need these. They are available for us uh, and we need to, to dive into them and be zealous for them. This is what Paul tells them. Be zealous for the spirituals. Be zealous for the gifts. And so uh, he wanted them to not be ignorant of also that, that there were diversities of gifts or uh, distribution. The idea is that the Lord is the one who distributes and apportions these gifts within the body of Christ. And there's different ways that these administrations or these spiritual service takes place. Aren't you glad that it's not just some cookie-cutter way? But God has every personality, every the measure of faith that's, that that person has to operate in that gift. It all works beautifully under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And it's always different. You know, it's like God is a God of variety. I don't know about you, but I like... I like systems. I like cookie cutter. I like, you know, because it creates efficiency. You know, I'm a builder. I like that kind of stuff. Well, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't work in the kingdom. It's not like that at all. God doesn't care about efficiency. What does he care about efficiency? He owns it all. There's no waste with him. He, he knows how to properly use everything. But he's a God of variety. And so when I look across the spectrum of the body of Christ and I see the gifts that he's poured out on people, I think, wow, it, it's a mystery to me. Why did you give that guy that gift, Lord? He's, he's an odd guy. He's kind of, like, really? <laughs> I'm just being honest. But that's the Lord. You know, like, he uses this analogy, of, and we'll get into this in a couple weeks, actually, when we talk about the members of the body. You know, most of our members are covered. 
they don't get the attention. We have a few members of our body that, you know, you see that we see, all see our hair. We see, those of you who have hair. <laughs> and we have our faces and our heads and arms and hands, you know, like me waving here. <laughs> you know, that's the way it is. But a lot of things are unseen. And so that, that so goes the gifting of the body of Christ. And the different, as he says here, the diversities of back operations. So you have distribution. We have administration, and then we have the operation, which is really referring to the results. It's all, all this is directed by the Holy Spirit. This is the manifestation of God's Spirit, and we learn to recognize that. And so, I've, uh, for my own use, I, again, I like lists. I like, <laughs> I like lists for lots of reasons, but it, can, it gives me, they're like hooks to hang your thoughts on. And so I've kind of broken these uh, gifts in this chapter up into uh, three, uh, three sets of three. Now, obviously, there are more gifts of the Spirit than, than what's lifted, uh, listed here, but uh, I have listed them as revelation gifts, power gifts, and communication gifts. And you'll get, you can get that on the paper over there. This, this is something you can take home with you. Uh, the revelation gifts are the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. This is the power of the Holy Spirit for us to know. God does not want us to be ignorant. He wants us to know. He wants us to be feeling familiar with. Because you are intimidated by ignorance. If we really don't know, if we don't really understand, then it's, we're going to be hesitant. We're going to be we're going to back off. We're not going to be all that we can be. But you know how it is. When you get accustomed to certain things, you know, like when you first got your first computer back in the 80s, right? And you had to do DOS. <laughs> that was like, forget it. It's not happening. <laughs> Code? You know, I was totally intimidated because I was ignorant of how... And I never did learn it, to be honest with you. <laughs> Thankfully, Mac came along. <laughs> all right? But again, you get the idea. We are intimidated by what we don't know. So God wants us to know. Therefore, the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning spirits have been given to the church, the body of Christ. And then there's the power to do. Faith, healings, and the working of miracles. Gifts of healings. And we'll talk about these in detail here. But this is the, the power gifts, the power to do and then there's the communication gifts prophecy tongues and then the interpretation of tongues but let's look at verse 11 before we get into the demonstrational gifts here and, and uh, sort of clarify uh, what he had mentioned in the above verses here uh, in verse 11 we read but one and the same spirit works all these things distributing to each one individually as he wills this is why we can't just lean upon human talent, human intellect, and human ability. It's not sufficient for the task. If I'm going to dig a, a ditch, or if I'm going to dig a, a retention pond, I am not going out there with a wheelbarrow and a pick, shovel, and axe. It's not going to happen. I'm not digging down 20 feet, 50 by 100, with that kind of tool when I know there's an excavator that can make quick work of that with, without nearly the effort or the sweat, right? 
And so this is, again, part of what's needed here. We need to use the gifts that God has made available to do the work. That way, when the work is done, who gets the credit? God gifted the church so that he would be glorified. Now, let's think about this for a minute. I've mentioned this before, but think about the Lord Jesus. And we'll confirm this as we make it through this study. Jesus surely is God. He was God come in the flesh. He laid aside his divine attributes and the expression of them as a man, and he allowed himself to be limited as a human being is limited. And everything that Jesus did in his ministry was under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. We remember that the Holy Spirit at his baptism came down upon him in the form of a dove. He was filled and empowered to do the work of the ministry by the Holy Spirit. So, well, when we look at, read about Jesus, well, that was because he's Jesus, you know. That's why he could do all that. Well, that's true, but it's really that other truth that fits in there as well. It was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. He learned to hear the voice of the Father. When the Father said, do this, he did this. He responded to the, to, to the directing of the Father because the Holy Spirit was at work and in control of his life. And so this is what it says here. He works the gifts. It's, we get our word energy from this. Energo. And it simply means he causes things to be. And this should take all the pressure off us. This is something I've worked in some of these gifts. I'm not prolific in all of them, but I have worked in a few of them. And this, to understand this and grasp this concept is imperative if we're going to have peace about it. He, the word here, energo, is he causes things to be. It's God's work. And when I pray for someone, I just, I'm actually just, obeying the Lord because they need prayer and as I pray I believe because I know nothing is impossible for the Lord it's all impossible for me so all I have to do is pray and I leave the results with God it takes all the pressure off I remember uh, a few years back when I was in Uganda and we were pr- there's this young lady came forward and I'm just totally blown away because she had somehow uh, fallen into a fire and she had burns on her shoulder, on her neck, on her forearms. And I didn't, couldn't tell, but I went to lay hands on her shoulder, and she kind of went like that, so I realized her shoulder was also burned. So I'm, she's coming for prayer, and I'm thinking, you know, she needs healing, obviously. I don't, you know, if this doesn't get healed, she could be, as much as her body was affected, she could get infection and die. You know, I'm really concerned for her health because of the conditions they're living in there and her inability and lack of finances to get good, proper doctoring there. So the medical treatment's severely lacking. So I was gripped by like, wow, this is a big need. But I was looking at myself a little too much. Like, do I have faith enough for God to heal? Now, I wasn't expecting God to just like, I lay hands on her, poof, gone. I wasn't necessarily expecting... God could do that. But I prayed for her, and I just I just felt so powerless. So, And I think that's exactly where God wanted me to be. Yes, son, you can't do anything, but I can. I did find out later that, that the Lord did touch her, and she, she's healed uh, over time. And she didn't get affection, so... Infection, rather. 
And so uh, you could be really intimidated by this stuff because you kind of think, well, it's up to me. It's up to you. No, it, it's the Lord, the one that causes it to be. He's the one that makes it happen. He's the one that produces and that takes all the pressure off. And then notice here he says he distributes the gifts. So I don't really, you know, I can, I think we're to be zealous for the gifts. So this list as I work through, you might think, wow, that's really a cool gift. I think I'll ask God for that one. Well, I, you, I think you should ask him for all of them personally. Why not? If he says no, that's okay. He'll, he's, gonna, he's only going to give you the ones he's equipped, you know, ordained for you to have. But you, if you don't know what they are, you might as well start out by asking for all of them. It's kind of like Christmas, you know. I want all the gifts under the tree, you know. <laughs> He's the one that confers upon each one of us what we need for the ministries that God has called us to. You know, you can get into the whole thing, well, you know, it's going to match your personality and your talents and all that. Okay, fine. I, I agree. But I, and I, I don't steer people in that direction. I think the Holy Spirit knows your personality quite well and I think you just need to ask him and you're probably going to have a certain uh, tendency towards one thing or another and that's fine that's because God's written his purpose in your heart and he's putting upon your heart to seek certain gifts because that's what he wants you to go after so it's wide open and just and as we'll talk about later ask but I want you to remember again uh, and spend time in John the gospel of John John chapter 14 and through chapter 16 this is the work of the Holy Spirit he lives inside you we're not to quench him we're not to grieve him we're to yield to him and cooperate with him what is he doing well he's the comforter first of all that's, he gets us in a place where we're, we're at peace this is very important you it's hard to learn in an environment when you're under in conflict or you're distracted and so the, he's the comforter look Jesus said, I know you guys are freaking out a little bit. I'm leaving, but I'm not going to leave you here as an orphan. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. He's the one that comforts us. He comes alongside to comfort. And he abides with us. As we receive him, he teaches us. He brings all things to remembrance. He convicts us. He guides us. He speaks to us. And he will glorify Jesus. I mean, that's just a simple, short little list of of what's in those chapters. So we should be familiar with, with the work that he wants to do in our lives. Now, let's get into the uh, demonstrational gifts here. These are specific gifts needed for the healthy body life. Now, the last, last week we covered the general gifts needed for healthy body life. When I say body life, I'm talking about the body of Christ. These are specific gifts. They are given to individuals within the body of Christ. And let's look, look at the first one here in Paul's list, the word of wisdom. This is a revelation gift. And what is wisdom? It is learning to, uh, it's understanding what is true, is what is right. Uh, Sophia, we get our, uh, it's from that Greek word. It's that broad, full intelligence and knowledge of lots of different things. But in this case, wisdom is essentially the proper use of knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world and not know how to use it. Wisdom is the knowing how to use the knowledge that you have. You know, there's a natural wisdom, according to 1 Corinthians 2, uh, but this is not sufficient, as I pointed out before. The natural abilities of man 
are not sufficient to accomplish the supernatural work of God. It's just not sufficient. And, when, and that's enough said. Um, and also, that knowledge uh, it kind of puffs up in, you know, in this realm. It exalts man, natural wisdom. But this gift is supernatural. You know, think about a search engine. You know, you can, you know, type in the word that you're, whatever you're looking for, and you, you get this huge page after page after page of information. Well, that's great. Lots of information, but, you know, you don't, know what, you don't need a third of it, 90% of it probably. It's just a bunch of information. You need the specific thing, and that's what wisdom is. It's the specific use of that knowledge that's given. And in, in this case, it's, it's supernatural, and it's in the realm of the Spirit. And it's in the realm that exalts God. Wisdom from God will always exalt God. Wow, that was really amazing. You know, 1 Corinthians 2.10 talks about this, chapter 2 in particular, Paul. Because he's, like I said, the Corinthians were sort of kind of getting off the simplicity in Christ and kind of looking at themselves. But Paul talks about the wisdom that's revealed. And I love this word. It really means to take the cover off or to, to uh, reveal the facts and the true knowledge of a situation. That's what this gift will do. It really opens up our minds to really see and understand what's going on. Think about the two disciples in Luke 24 that were on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to them. It says their eyes were opened. They had the cover taken off. Whoa! And, you know, they, they said, did not our hearts burn within us when he was breaking the word to us? And so this burning, you know, our hearts, the deepest recesses of our being, that's what they're talking about. And this is what the word of God does. This is what wisdom does. It just, it's, it's something that we just want more of. Quite a, spiritually addicting, so to speak. Their eyes were opened, opened thoroughly. This wisdom is on a personal level, level that we receive it. Uh, sometimes God will give you, it when you're in a situation that you have no idea what to do. You have options available to you, but you really don't know what to do with what you know. I remember years ago, um, this is back when you, if you wanted to return something, you actually had to have the receipt. <laughs> now it's just like, yeah, just look at my credit card, see I bought it here, okay, all right, no problem. Return policies are seriously lax these days, right? Back then, if you didn't have the uh, the receipt, forget it. You're stuck with. So I had received a double gift at Christmas, I think it was, and I lived up north, and so um, I was taking back uh, this gift, and I had the receipt. They were kind enough to give me the receipt, and so it, it was a snowstorm going on, and so I pulled over and I parked Main Street, and I'm, as soon as I get out, I open the door and I start to step out. The receipt goes flying away. I'm like. Oh, great. So I'm like, and it was, you know, I'm in between the buildings, so there's, it's not a totally windstorm, but it's, snowflakes are flying, and <sighs> so I, like, really kind of needed the money, or, you know, I wanted to get something else, I, you know, it was a desire. So I'm like, Lord, what do I do? So I, the thought came into my mind. I took a piece of paper, 
that happened to be make it about the same size as the receipt and I held it up and I let go of it and I watched where it went and I went over and lo and behold it was right there real close by where I could see it now that no that wasn't something that I oh, I'm just genius you know no it, it, the Lord just dropped that in my mind like just do this and so this I love this gift this is a pretty cool gift I think um it's a great experience to have this. Doesn't it feel good? You know, Proverbs talks about uh, wisdom a lot. You can look that up in chapter 4 if you want. There's a responsibility to it. <laughs> There's a blessing to it. And, and we're to live a life of uh, using wisdom. So uh, it's a great thing. But then on a corporate level, the body of Christ, and we keep that in the context of how is this gift used or can we see it in operation in the church? Of Christ, and well, obviously we can. Uh, Acts chapter six. They had a problem. Uh, there was a little battle going with the Hellenist Jews, which the, the, they were the ones that were sort of caving to the uh, contemporary scene. They were giving into the Greek culture and some of the things, and they weren't staying strictly Hebrew like some of the others. And so there's sort of like this little mini division within the church. Well, there was a need among the widows, and so there's this issue that was cropping up, and so. Uh, they needed wisdom, and so the God gave that to the apostles. Look, choose out seven men that are full of the Holy Spirit, and we'll assign them to take care of these physical needs and make sure that the needs of these widows are taking place. There's the, the, the word of wisdom coming so that they knew how to deal with church life. And then we see this also happen in Acts 15. Uh, verse 19, where after listening to this report of Paul, after he came back and he's been ministering the gospel and, and saying, look, the Gentiles don't need to keep the law. Uh, they don't need to be circumcised. And he's been teaching this and preaching this gospel of grace. And so they, how we need to settle this issue with the Gentiles and the law of Moses. How do we do this? And so after all the arguments were put forth, Paul spoke, Peter spoke, probably some others. James says, this is what we should do. God gave him wisdom. And he laid out four things. And you can kind of check that out in chapter 15. So um, the temptation we face in our personal lives, the temptation we face, especially if the church is growing and becomes successful and grows and expands, is for leadership to lean to our own understanding. And way we should... Pay attention to the examples we have in Scripture where leaning to our own understanding can get us into big trouble. Well, well, we can do this and we can do that and then we proceed without really inquiring of the Lord and getting the wisdom from above. These are important things for us to, to know. Think about Joshua. They come into the land, they had their first victory over Jericho and then, you know, the Gibeonites show up. They didn't inquire of the Lord and the next thing you know, there's troubles. That's chapter 9. So you, you just, you want to always be dependent upon the Lord. Now this ministry, or this word of wisdom was employed by Jesus. Remember I've referred to him uh, being, uh, doing everything by the Spirit of God. And you remember in Matthew's Gospel, uh, I think this is chapter 21, John the Baptist, they came to him, you know, they worried about this, this authority kick, you know. By what authority are you doing this stuff? You know, he just cleared out the temple, right? And um, and Jesus, I just love this guy. <laughs> I'll ask you a question. By what authority did John speak? 
you know, so he had the word of wisdom, how to deal with these lying hypocrites that were seeking to destroy him. And then it's expressed once again later on, uh, oh, if we can get him to be a tax, you know, evader, you know, should we pay taxes, Jesus? Hey, anybody got a coin? You know, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God's to God. I mean, perfect answer. That, that is the word of wisdom. That was delivered to Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And so this is what we can look for with that gift of the word of wisdom. And the word of knowledge, is, you know, some of them, they're, they're, they're very closely related, obviously. But knowledge... The gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge, again, a revelation gift, is something that's revealed to, by the Holy Spirit that you could not know otherwise. This would be facts and information. And so with those facts and that information, you can analyze uh, maybe the various situations that you might be in. Uh, but, you know, God gives us this because it's pertinent. We need to know this. And so God will drop uh, that information into our hearts where we can... Uh, so if you look at Knowledge is the raw material, and you look at wisdom as the ability to apply it. I think hopefully that will help clarify and distinguish the difference between these two. You know, uh, I think these gifts are employed a lot with the gift of teaching. For those of you who teach Sunday school or you teach a Bible study, you do anything like that. The gifts of words of wisdom, word of knowledge, things are spoken uh, by the person speaking that they don't really know, but they're just speaking uh, as God leads them, and, and he drops those things in, and they don't even know, but the people who hear it, like, well, how do they know that? And I've seen that happen before, and that's, that's pretty cool. Now, do we see another place, potentially, where this word of knowledge uh, was just in a situation in life? And I think possibly, I'm not dogmatic about this, but Paul, when he was... Uh, beaten in Philippi when they planted the church. We've talked about this a few times. But he was beaten and they were in stocks and him and Silas started singing and there was an earthquake. And then he called out to the jailer, Don't, do yourself no harm. And then the text says they called for a light. So, okay, I, I'm not the most, the brightest forensic engineer, but I can think logically a little bit. Now wait, if they had to call for a light, that means it was dark. So, I mean, is it possible that Paul just heard the, you know, the, the sword coming out of the sheath and he knew what would happen if the prisoners were gone, that this jailer would take his life because of what his responsibility? Well, that's possible. But what if it was just the Lord showing him, hey, stop him. He's going to kill himself. Because did he, he couldn't see him. If he had to call for the light, I mean, that's just where I'm coming from. So I, I kind of think there's a possibility that that was the exercise of the word of knowledge. Paul, God made Paul aware of what this guy was about to do and told him to stop. We're all here. It's pretty cool. So anyway, take it for what it's worth. And then the last one we'll cover this morning is the revelation gift of the discerning of spirits. And then this also is really what got Paul into trouble in, the, in Acts 16. He's there for quite a while. They're going down to the river, and this slave girl is following him, and she's annoying him. These are the men, men of the Most High, and they show the way of salvation. And she, day after day, he's like, you know, he just 
was annoyed. The Bible says he was annoyed. So you're, if you get annoyed, it's okay. <laughs> Just use your spiritual gifts. <laughs> but anyway, he exposed this slave girl and her demonic activity. He was able to, by the Spirit, realize that is not normal. There's something behind this that's trying to distract us away from God's intended purpose here. So he dealt with it. So that's uh, important for us. I want to close uh, the service here this morning. And I want to talk to you about prayer. And I want, you know, you, we have a few minutes here. This is not just about an information dump. I've given you a lot of information, a lot of truth. The gifts are for us individually. These are specific gifts given for the health of the body. Our church here will not become all that God intends it to be unless you and I are walking full of the Holy Spirit and employing the giftedness that we've received. Everyone in here has some kind of gift. God is very generous and doling out and conferring the gifts. And so through this time of hearing uh, the instructions about the gifts, I think it's important that we respond, that we give God an opportunity to fill us and to speak to our hearts concerning this. And how do, how do we get, you know, how do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Let's start there. You get it by asking, Lord, I don't know if I've had that experience before, but I want to have that. That might be you this morning. I want to know, Father, that I am baptized with your Spirit. You know, that's what Jesus said. If, if, if you ask for the Spirit, the Father will give it to you. He wants to give his Spirit in full measure in that regard. Maybe you don't understand your giftedness. And so you, wanna, you need to stand and be prayed for in that area. And so we're going to have the guys here. Uh, they're all going on, and they're going to smear you. Yeah, they're going to anoint your head. They're going to smear you. They're not going to dump it on you because we don't have enough. But they're going to pray for you. If you want to be prayed for, and you want to receive a filling of the Holy Spirit, you want to receive a gifting of the Holy Spirit, you want to be able to recognize what God is doing in your life, and you just want to have that connection, then that's what we're going to do here in a, in a minute. But I'm going to leave you with this because I want you to take this with you. Because prayer is the key to everything. A man can receive nothing except it be given from above. This is what John the Baptist taught us. It's the way it is. You can't, and you can't give something you don't have. You've got to first receive it. So how is it that we receive from God? We receive because we ask. In prayer, we, there's two main things that need to happen. We need to be persistent Keep on, keep, keep on seeking, keep on asking, and keep on knocking. That's ask, seek, and knock. It's, it's in the continuous imperative there. You just keep doing it persistently. Jesus said men ought always to pray and not to give up. It's so easy. Well, I prayed once and nothing happened. I'm done. <laughs> Hold on here. <laughs> Hold on. You know, what happens in this persistence of seeking God is that things are revealed to us we, we're able to clarify more clearly 
what God wants to do in our lives. So the idea of being persistent and continuing to pray isn't just that we're just repeating the same prayer over and over, but we're listening and we're getting a feel for, for how God is directing us because we're doing it over and over and it, start, and then, you know, it sort of like sinks in, right? Um, being persistent is, you know, there's many, of, uh, and we'll probably talk a little bit more about this next week because we'll talk about prayer again. It's so important to this aspect of our Christian life and body life. But being expectant. Expect that God is going to answer your prayer. He'll answer it yes, no, or wait. Those are the general three answers that we get. And make sure that you continue to be persistent until the Lord says no. And I think after you've prayed, and I'll say this is a, a sort of as general rule, and it's my own experience. I think it's the experience of the Apostle Paul. After three times of sincerely seeking God and really thinking about it and, and, and faithfully bringing it before God, after three times, you should have a pretty good sense of whether it's yes or no. If it's no, then there's grace. That's what Paul you know, I prayed three times that this thing would be taken away from me. And the Lord said, my grace is sufficient for you. So if God says no, then you, you go that route. Okay, Lord. Because you really don't, you and I really don't want something that God doesn't want us to have, right? Because we know Father knows best. And so no is okay. If it's yes, then we get excited. Oh, yeah. The, you mean all those gifts are in the tree or mine? Yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> but we get excited. But he might say yes, but he might say wait. Oh, well, that, that's almost like a no, right, for a child. <laughs> no, no, it's not no. It's just you're going to get it when you're able to handle it. This is what he told the disciples. I've got many things that I want to show you, but you're not able yet to bear them. So God is a loving father and that he progresses us with these gifts he matures us and, and teaches us how to use that gift. And as we mature in the gift, it becomes a greater influence in the body of Christ. And these are the things that need to happen. So we're going to spend a few minutes. The team's going to come. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. So let's stand as the worship team comes. And, you know, I don't care what you sing, but I know it's always good. So I trust God's leading you in your gift. <laughs> but if you want prayer, we're all, since we're all standing You'll have to raise up the hand so that the guys can get around. If you want to come, some of you can come forward. If you come forward, then I'll be glad to pray with you. Uh, Bill's up front here. Bruce is over here. Butch is over here. I mean, you'll get prayed for. So let's take this time. And if you want to be prayed for, as I said, just, just raise your hand or come forward.